Thank you. You may be seated. One brief word of introduction. Uh, one of the times that Dr. Pratt really impressed us in seminary, we had a, I think he's a British theologian, T.F. Torrance. Is he British? So we had a man named T.F. Torrance come and lecture at RTS, and he spoke on the hypostatic union, which is the merging of the divinity and humanity of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was a really heady talk. Just remember, I studied building science at Auburn University. And our whole class, it, that was the most lost I was in all of seminary. And the next day, Dr. Pratt came into our class and he said, I perceive that y'all struggled a little bit yesterday. <laughs> that was perceptive. And then in 10 minutes, he simplified what T.F. Torrance had spoken about for an hour. And uh, I think that has been one of Dr. Pratt's many gifts, is though he is brilliant beyond belief, his heart has been for lay people and ordinary church people to really know and love Jesus. So again, Dr. Pratt, thank you for coming to preach to us, and please come up. Good evening, everyone. Henry told me to go till 9.30, wasn't it, Henry? That sound okay? Doesn't sound okay to me. Um, we're going to look at the passage that is in your bulletin, okay? Can you believe that part? Now, that you can trust for the moment. And I want to read this passage together because it's such a, it's such a meaningful passage to me personally and I think it's just one of the loveliest and most dramatic things that Jesus ever said to the people that first followed him. Believe it or not, maybe you won't feel that way. Maybe you will a little bit when, it's, when we're done. But it has everything to do with what we're talking about this week, and that's the mission. The mission of doing everything we can for the whole world to hear about our king and about his kingdom. And I love this passage. I hope you will too. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, what precious words you said to your followers thousands of years ago. And here we are tonight, seeking you like they sought you, seeking to hear a good word from you, seeking to hear direction for our lives, seeking to find hope in you. It's all in you, and we know it's true. But we so desperately need the Holy Spirit to come and to now minister to us and give us eyes to see and hearts to feel and understand and be enlivened by the power of Holy Spirit. And so come upon us, Holy Spirit. Teach us tonight that we may honor you and bring you glory. Amen. I don't know if you've ever faced this before, but a lot of times when you go from, if you're traveling and you go from one place to another, 
by the time you get sort of used to the way things are in one country, then you go to the next country and you feel as disoriented as you did when you entered the first country. You ever had a trip like that where you do these tours and things? And then you go to the third country and you feel disoriented again. And then the fourth country, and by the time you get to number five or number six, you sort of feel like, I'm not sure what to do, anything, anytime, anywhere, anymore. Because I'm bound to offend people, I'm bound to do the wrong thing. It's a common experience if you travel around the world and visit different cultures and things. You just don't, I mean, who am I anyway? I don't know exactly what to be. I don't know how to be what I think I even am. Well, what's true when you travel around is also true when you stay put. And the world around you changes dramatically. Welcome to your country. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but America today is not America 25 years ago. Have you noticed that? And that's even in Alabama where you refuse to change anything. (laughs) It's changed on you too. The ground has shaken and it's gotten to the point now that I think that at least Christians that care anything about the people around them, they just wonder what to say. Can you say yes, sir, anymore and feel safe? Can you say yes, ma'am, anymore and feel safe? I can't. I don't know what I'm going to say to people. Can you say the things that used to just sort of be acceptable? Can you be the kind of person that used to be just like welcomed any place you would go? Right here in Birmingham, Alabama. If you're aware of what's happening around you, the answer to that could likely be, no, I don't. And so, of course, what do you do when you feel that way? You simply pull back, get around and huddle with a few people that you still can trust, and you hide from the rest of the world. Now, am I the only person in the room that sort of feels this way? I don't think I am. Well, in many respects, this passage speaks directly to that problem and in a most remarkable way, in a way that I hope that Holy Spirit will enable you tonight to take it to heart and believe it in ways, even though you've heard these words before, believe them in ways you never have before so that you can figure out how to live in this changing world that you're a part of. First thing I want us to see is what Jesus called the people who were following him on that day. He says it right at the very beginning of the passage in verse 14. He looked at them and he said, you are the light of the world. Now keep in mind, these were relatively poor people who had enough time on their hands that they could follow Jesus to the place of the mount and sit down all day and listen to him preach and things like that. So these weren't the people running around doing busy things all day. These weren't the high officials and those kinds of things. These are ordinary people he's talking to. And he looks at these people and he says, you are the light of the world. Now, I know that many times I've brought this passage to churches and the reaction I get from people is, no, that can't be true because we all know who the light of the world is. We know his name. 
Do you? Jesus. Of course, because the Bible calls Jesus the light of the world. I can't be the light of the world. I'm nothing. I can't be the light of the world. I'm a miserable sinner. I can't be the light of the world. I don't even know how to get my own act together, much less be a light to anybody else. In fact, if I believed that, I'd be so full of pride that everyone would reject me. At least everybody in my church would reject me because they don't think I'm the light of the world either. But hear what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. It's a magnificent thing to be able to hear that from the mouth of Jesus and to begin to believe that about yourself. That it's not just Jesus himself who is the bright light that shined and continues to shine. Because in the world of the Bible, when people would talk about a king rising to his throne and bringing the new days and the good things that he would bring in his kingdom, they often spoke of such kings as light. As the morning sun rises and the light shines, the kingdom of darkness is gone and the light is now shining because we have a new king. And that, in many respects, is what the New Testament means when it says Jesus is the light of the world. But what about you? Now, you get up every morning and you're a grouch like everybody else. You get up, you have to brush your teeth, you have to comb your hair, you have to drive the car, you have to yell at the kids, you have to do all the sorts of things you do in ordinary life and go to work. And about the last thing that probably comes to your mind as you're working in the office in the morning is, I'm the light of the world. But hear the blessed words of Jesus, that's who you are. Because if you're a part of the kingdom of God in Christ, there's this wonderful, glorious light that shines from that kingdom. And those who are in that kingdom reflect that light as well. So that now you become the light of the world. Funny thing about the light, if there's lots of light around from various sources, you don't really notice the light that's shining. But when you're in a world or a place that's full of darkness, and a single light shines, a group of lights shine, you notice them, you notice them. Well, let me ask you what your world is like, the one that surrounds you these days. Would you say there are lots of lights shining or would you just say, you know, the world around me is full of darkness. We've heard of violence. We've heard of the kinds of cultural changes that have happened in a place as far away from us as Peru. You know that this is true in Birmingham. You know it's true of the United States of America. You know it's true that Western culture is collapsing on itself right before our eyes. We know this is true. It's a world, a time of great darkness. And this is the world that Jesus lived in. For hundreds of years, almost half of a millennium, the people of God had suffered under the tyranny of foreign nations who had crushed them and who had brought to them their idols and their false demonic gods, and they were forced in many respects to worship them or at least to accommodate those false demonic gods. It was a world of darkness. In fact, Old Testament prophets even said that that time was going to be a time of great darkness. The Old Testament prophets spoke of a light that was shine, and they're referring to Jesus, but now Jesus says, in this world of darkness, I'm not the only light that's shining. You are too. 
When you go to places and you don't know how to act, you don't know what to say, it's easy for you to just kind of pull back and feel like, well, I'm so insignificant, nobody's going to pay any attention to me, and I can't have any impact on the world around me, that's for sure. I'm just one little old me, so I think I'll just live my nice private life and leave it at that. But Jesus says, no, no. As he was the light of the world, you are the light of the world. So pull your shoulders back for just a moment. And get over the, get over the false humility that often consumes us. The hesitation to feel in any way positive about breathing the air of this planet. I mean, after all, we know we're totally depraved sinners, right? We know that for sure. Hold your shoulders back. Take a deep breath. It's good to be alive if you're a follower of Jesus. You're the light of the world. And the world needs light. What a gift. What a gift to be called that glorious name, light of the world. Jesus goes on. And he's using kind of common sense here, and you know how this goes. But listen to what he says in halfway through verse 14. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, you can imagine Jesus at the place where he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount near the Sea of Galilee. And you can see off in the distance around the Sea of Galilee various villages, various little towns. And they could see them because, well... You can't hide them because they don't try to put them down in the gullies or down in the wadis where the water would come. They put them up on hills. And so he says, you see, look around. You can see that city over there, right? You can see that city. If there's a, if there's a town, if there's a village, you can see it. And then he goes on to says this. He says, nor do people light a lamp. That's you, by the way. And put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. There's a kind of person that I just really don't like. Can I tell you what kind of person that is? They're always around someplace, especially when you have a party, like an office party or a Christmas party or something like that. Um, we tend to call that person the life of the party. And you know what the person who's the life of the party is like. You may be having a good old time. You're kind of hanging out. You're talking to your little group of friends over here. Others are talking over here. Just having a nice, calm party. Then the life of the party walks in. All of a sudden, everything else disappears, and he or she is the centerpiece of everything. You know those kinds of people? They, just, they don't mean to take over the, the whole party, but they're just so wonderful, and they're so magnificent. They're such grand people that everybody in the room is looking at them saying, Oh, can I have a word with you too? I don't like those kinds of people. When I go to parties, I stand over in the corner. I'm not antisocial. I'm just embarrassed and afraid I'll do something wrong. And then somebody walks in and they're perfect. <sighs> and they just light up the room, don't they? Everybody laughs at their jokes. Everybody thinks, oh, the comment on how they're dressed and those kinds of things. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you are the light of the world... You're the kind of person that lights up the room. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be flamboyant. 
It doesn't mean that you have to draw the attention of everyone. It's just that you stand out in a positive way. Not in the normal ways we stand out, but in a positive way. Ah, there's light in the room. I mean, this is a boring day in the office. My neighborhood, really nothing's happening there. (sighs) Even sometimes in my church, things are not going so well, but there's somebody that needs to shine a little light. Nobody has a light and then sticks it under a bushel. That would be what we tend to do when we hear the words, you are the light of the world, but then we don't let the light shine. Instead, what we need to become is the person that everyone notices as the one, oh my goodness, be careful with this, has a smile on his face at the right time or has a tear running down her cheek at the right time. I mentioned this morning that I live in a neighborhood where we can't find anybody that's like us. Okay, we're surrounded by people from other nations and other religions, and it's that very difficult. If it weren't for my wife, we wouldn't know anybody in the neighborhood. I guarantee it. The only time we ever come out and speak to each other is when a hurricane comes through. That's it. And you know you can tell the difference in modern suburban life between the Christian and the non-Christian because the Christian will wave and smile as they're hitting the garage door button to try to get into the house. The non-Christian just keeps on hitting the garage door button. Okay, but we're just waving and we don't roll the window down because that would be too intimate. But they keep on hitting that button. Please, please work. Hurry up, work. I'm going to have to talk to that person. Yeah. You know that feeling? Because you're just not sure what to say. You're afraid to offend. You're afraid to hurt feelings. And you don't want to do that. You want to be something positive. But Jesus says the last thing you want to do is hide under a bushel to become invisible. Instead, what you want to be is the most visible person around. Remember I said smiling when it's right to smile and weeping when it's right to weep? So if a family that you know has celebrated, is celebrating the birth of a child, you should be happy with them and let your light shine. If a family you know is going through a divorce, don't run from them. Let a, tear, let a tear run down your face and go and be the light of the world to the ones that are going through that suffering. Death, birth, divorce, wayward children, they're everywhere around you. And the people who are facing those things, they need the light to shine on them. It's a radical change if you can begin to think that way. Now, Jesus says, just like you wouldn't put a lamp under a bushel, so he says, let your light so shine before men. Let your light shine. This is our great King Jesus telling us, your life is not a private life. I wish I could have a private life and I could just go around with a bushel all over me all day long. And one of those places where I wish I could do that is when I get my hair cut. Because in Orlando, in my part of Orlando anywhere, I can't find a manly barbershop. 
Now, sisters, let me tell you what a manly barbershop is like, okay? It's where only men go, and they only do manly things. And they're out, they're out there, but I can't find one. Okay, so here's what happens. You go in, and when your turn comes, you sit in the chair, and you say, just give me the regular, something simple like that. And then nobody talks anymore. <laughs> it's utopia. It's... It's just fantastic. I mean, you think that he doesn't like you because he doesn't want to talk to you at night when you have these dueling mute buttons on two remotes for the TV, and every time you start talking, he hits the remote and mutes it. Okay, go ahead, say what you want to say. Uh Uh-huh, that's great, that's great. Do you think that's just because he doesn't like you? No, no, he doesn't like anybody. Okay, he doesn't want to get deep in thought with anybody, but... The places where I go to get my hair cut is one of these unisex places, right? Where most of the people that cut hair are women and most of the customers are women and you get a few men here and there. And they teach those people how to talk to you and how to engage you in conversation. I never know why they would do that, but apparently the women who come there really like that. (laughs) To chit chat about this and about that and that sort of thing, right? So they take that little receipt that has my name on it and they say, well, hi, Richard, how are you today? And within four or five minutes, she's going to ask me, well, Richard, what do you do? I'm a teacher. You're what? I'm a teacher. Come on, Lord, please don't take it any further than this. Well, what do you teach? Teach religion. You teach what? I teach religion. Where do you do that? In seminary. Where do you do that in the world? Well, I'm a missionary, okay? It doesn't take but about eight or nine minutes before they know I believe weird, weird things. Like Jesus is the only way of salvation. I remember one time, one of the young ladies, apparently she's a low person on the totem pole because she was sweeping up the hair. I think that's the job of the newbies in the stores. And so she's sweeping up the hair behind me. And by this time, most of the store has stopped and they're listening to this old man say his crazy stuff about Jesus and the Bible and going to be a missionary in this country and that country. And she's standing behind me and she's doing this. She's going... I wanted so much to tell her, I can see you in the mirror. (laughs) I didn't. I let her off the hook. Okay? I didn't do it. But you know, you know what that does to me is exactly what it does to you. If you think people are going to laugh at you, if you think people are going to point their fingers at you and say you're crazy for all the things you believe, you know what you naturally want to do, and that is never let them know what you believe. Put your light under a bushel. I mean, that's natural. It's normal. But not for the light of the world. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't say here, let your words so shine before men. What he says is, let your good deeds shine before men. I love that. That's fantastic. Because a lot of times, deeds are a lot more important than words. I mean, that's the great hypocrisy they accuse of us, isn't it? They say, you know, they talk a good talk, but they don't live it. In fact, 
that's what your children are saying about you even tonight. So let your good deeds so shine before men. Let those good deeds shine. Which means when you're getting your hair cut, you have to leave a really big tip. I don't like that either. But do it for Jesus. It's okay. Because you want to be remembered for something, right? And that is, he's a crazy old man, but we like him. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I know it's going to be hard to take up that role of being light in a way that maybe you haven't done in a long, long time. Because you don't feel like you know exactly what to say anymore. I get it. So I'm with you there. But the reality is, it's the great honor to be the light of the world and to let the light of Jesus shine through you to others and to let your good works draw attention to him and not to put the light under a bushel. It's a great honor. And then notice at the end of the passage what Jesus says the purpose of all this is. Let your good works so shine before men that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. How wonderful is that? That's the goal. You see, I'm trying to buy space in that haircut salon. I keep going back. They don't do a very good job, actually. My wife keeps saying, why don't you go somewhere else? I said, nope, I'm investing. <laughs> okay? I'm giving big tips. I'm being friendly. I'm being kind. I'm talking their talk. I'm figuring out how to get involved with them. I'm figuring out how the old man's light could shine. I'm really trying to do that. It's a very sincere thing. I don't have very many continuities in my life, but that's one. And I'm going to find space in there. And I'm going to get it. And hopefully one day somebody will ask me, hey, come over here. You talk about Jesus like he's real. Can I know him that way too? So that they may glorify your Father in heaven. I remember when I became a Christian at 17. It was in a Jesus freak hippie commune. How about that? And I was sort of a hippie type, but I wasn't a Jesus freak yet. But the thing that drew me to those people was the fact that they talked about Jesus like they knew him. They talked about him like they knew him. And their light filled up the room. It blew my mind. And so we sat around, as people were prone to do in those days, on the floor in lotus position like this, you know, legs crossed. I can't even cross my legs like that anymore. But like that, okay, lotus position. And we're all supposed to say a one-sentence prayer as we go around the room. Then everybody's going home. Okay, so one person talked, another person talked. Now, I'd been raised in the church. I knew how to pray. I knew all the fancy words to use in prayer. I knew it all. No problem. But these people were talking to Jesus like they knew him, and their light was filling up the room. And so as it got closer and closer to me, I got more and more nervous. I just did not know what in the world am I going to say. And so the only words that would come out of my mouth out of this poor little 17-year-old who was so confused that he was literally a Maoist at the time, and I knew what that meant, okay? And I just said, Jesus, I want to know you like these people do. 
They were the light of the world. And Jesus said, okay, are you ready for this? And I was transformed from the inside out at 17 years old. It was just one of the most dramatic things that could possibly happen to a human being because someone did not put the light under the bushel. Your children need to see the light. Your grandchildren need to see the light in you. Your neighbors do too. Your fellow employees do. Your boss does. The world we're living in, here and afar, needs the light of the world. And you are the light of the world. Let's pray together. Our blessed Jesus, great King and light of the entire universe, how we praise you that you have called us the light of the world. What an honor you give to us. May we take those words, may we use them and believe them in our lives, may we begin to shine, and may we become, may we become the ones who fill the room up with your light, bringing to others the opportunity to glorify our Father who is in heaven. And as you do that, Lord, we will praise you and we will honor you for it all. Amen.